August 8, 2020. It's a lot from Pedro's show.
Live from Pedro Show. Happy Saturday. Second Saturday, August. Summer, maybe halfway through. Maybe a month till Labor Day Parade. Brother Matt at his love grotto. A couple of miles south on the Pleasure Point because we're in quitting quarantino mode. But I am not totally man alone mode. Because of the <laughs> wonders of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention. I got with me Mr. Dougie Baum. Hello. There you are. There I am. Welcome aboard, Dougie. Let me, let me tell the listeners what they heard. They heard John Coltrane doing a live version of Nature Boy. And after that, okay, people, this edition is a special one. This is a real-time edition of the Watt from Pedro show because we got 19 duets, courtesy of my guest, Dougie Bound, and uh, dealing with these uh, COVID-19 time and making the best of it musically and creatively. So this was un- Unreal Time number one, and it was Ben Porowski and Dougie Bound. And, uh, yeah, incredible. Uh, this is what people involved with arts do when things get to the short and curlies, you know? They fucking improvise. They get to it. They deal <laughs> with the six. They just don't bellyache and moan and sit on their goddamn hands. They fucking get busy. And Dougie being a stick man with the beat in his hand, foundation man, blast off man, uh, launch pad man, uh, springboard <laughs> man, beautiful. But let's 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 learn about your journey through music, brother Doug. Let's, uh, if you can, give me your earliest musical recollection. Oh, that that is a hard one because I actually my father. We grew up, we lived in the basement of a building in the Bronx. My dad was a super of the building. So we had a lot of space. And he played violin. And, you know, he could play guitar, but he never was professional. Or he was kind of not into the idea of being professional. For It's a long story. His dad was a cellist. <laughs> and he... Uh, the depression hit so he his thing was you know you gotta have a job and music might not be it you know so but he played he'd put on frank sinatra records he loved the chairman of the board and he played henry mancini stuff like that really great records actually and uh he once in a while bust out the violin and play along and he was quite good so that would be my earliest recollections. And then I, you know, as a kid, I got into, you know, John Barry score, like the James Bond movie scores. I loved the, uh, yeah, actually, I loved the harmonies and stuff. It was kind of interesting. It wasn't the drum thing immediately for me but you know i started tapping and banging on my knees and stuff pretty early on so because yeah from what i understand there's a there's a violin in the pad there's a guitar in the pad yeah yeah but you're not motivated to really work those not exactly my brother it was it's a my mom died when i was young and it was quite sudden and the family fell apart pretty much. It, it was very hard for us to deal with everything. We, we did the best we could. My father, my sister was very young, and she's trying to, you know, cook and stuff. It, it was pretty out there. But my brother started by around then to play guitar, and he 
you know, this is when the Stones were, you had, you remember in these days, it was not like eight bazillion bands. It was, you were either Stones or Beatles, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, or yeah. you might be a Herman's Hermit kind of guy, which we didn't talk to them. Or maybe who? Or maybe yeah, the Kings. Who was quick on the tail of this, yes. But at first, you know, it was the Beatles and the, that that kind of thing. Like, I was really young. I remember seeing the Beatles on TV, on the news. Remember, you may remember this. When they came to America, it was on the news. It wasn't like the entertainment news. It was the news. <laughs> and do you remember this? At all? Yeah, you... because rock and roll came from Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, yeah. But here it I, had to be kind of reinvented from England because we had spaced on it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so these guys come over, and it was like, uh, you know, they call it the British Invasion, but it was on the news, and I didn't even know what a band was. I was a kid. So I'm watching this with my brother, and I remember seeing, you know, it's like... Uh, things you remember like Kennedy's assassination is that I remember seeing it and I was like what is this it's so puzzling to me these guys coming off a plane and people screaming and you know it was pretty out there it was like nothing I understood in my you know I was young so I you know around then he started playing guitar and I somehow got some sticks and didn't have a drum set, but I played on the couch and the back of the couch was a cymbal and the, you know, the couch itself, I was banging on the snare. So I started banging along with the records and I actually wore out the couch. I, like the, the, it was a foam uh, cushion and I mean, it was a powder by the time I, I just it up. got you beat it up. Yeah, I tore it up, and it was what? all threadbare and everything. And What you know, about at school? What about school? Did you do any kind of music at school, like the choir oh, or the marching band or shit like that? No, I was, and this relates to the, what happened in my family. In fourth grade, it was when my mom died, but I was in the Bronx, and I had, and I remember her because she also taught my sister and brother, who, who were before me, and Mrs. James, who taught in 127 Junior High School in the Bronx, and she was like, you are going to be a musician. I was already playing drums, but we, we had choir and stuff like that. You know what I mean? We'd sing. Like, I, we'd sing, I am the captain of the pinafore. You know, like the... Uh, Pirates of Penzance. Yes, exactly. Gilbert so, O'Sullivan. Yeah, exactly. So she was like, you, you have, you can memorize melodies quickly. And she was like, you're going to be a musician. And I was already playing drums by junior high. You know, I was pretty like serious about it by then. And that was really important to me, but I never played any music. And, uh, and like I said, it was because my, uh, no, my father was kind of like, you shouldn't, uh, you know, play music, it's beautiful, it's a great thing, but, you know, it's not a job. So I ended up being a science major in uh, 
you know, for like two years, somebody in college, and I was, yeah, you know, pretty terrible student. What, what, what about <laughs> your first tra a trap kit? When did you get that? I that was when I was in about sixth grade or fifth or you know, running. And since we were in the basement, we had a gigantic apartment, and in the Bronx, pre-war buildings, the walls were like, you know, two feet of concrete or whatever, cement, you know. And so we could bang away all day. And my brother had an amp, and we'd play in the bedroom. We had a big room. And so I got from the around the corner, there was a music store, and I saw this drum kit, Lyra drums that was a brand it was a japanese actually not a bad kit but you know i wanted ludwig's and a friend of my brother's somehow he was a singer in my brother's band he was like dougie's getting good you know so and i was the kid hanging around looking at them all the time and and so i he somehow secured a ringo star like ludwig kit you know the Oyster Gray, you, you know the kid, the Ringo Starr thing. So I got one of those and uh, for free. He he wow. like got it from some guy who was had not was not you playing, and that was my first real kit. And I, man, I, I should never that, have gotten rid of it. And that's Econo. Yeah, look, exactly. Look, I want to play uh, Unreal Time number two, Brill Frizzell and yourself. Oh, okay.
major dude had the attitude, but the 70s had him space. Up in Hollywood, maybe then he could find a reason for his base. Turned his Volkswagen into Spielwagen, Hong Kong Cafe New Year's show. Drove up from Pedro, from Pedro, watch road. at that show Drove up from Pedro, from Pedro Up from Pedro They
the old men of the council, dressed in purple, red, and gold, meet secretly to argue the destiny of the world. To gain control of the future, they manipulate the past, reconstructing history ensuring that legacy last. Chasing the three gold balls through eternal time and space, securing them will let them control the human race. For Pedro Show, yeah, in real t- time number two, Bill Frizzell, Dougie Bound, then uh, Pitt, brand new from Mr. Tom and Tobacco, great new album, new album, it's it's coming out, and same with Fusan out of Osaka with Vertical KO and all that Vertical. After that, Josh Fischel, the fiction, doing a song I wrote called Drove Up from Pedro. It's got Nels Klein on guitar. Not this version, though. This has got a... Uh, well, I know the drummer. And the singer, of course, Josh Rochelle. But Jerry Trevitude's the second man drummer man is the drummer. Then the Wrinklin Brothers. This has got uh, George Hurley on drums. Joe Dean on bass. El Napria. Project got going now. Doug Weiss... Uh, no, Weisselman. Doug Weisselman and Dougie Baum with Unreal Time number three. Then uh, Breaking My Heart. Breaking in my heart. This is television with Richard Hell in 1975, live at CBGB. Pat Smear from the Germs after that with his second solo album and Love Your Friends. Brand new from Lunatics on Parole, The Dream. And finally, Unreal Time number four, Matt Nelson, Dougie Bound. So you're telling me, Dougie, the first band you played in was just jamming with your brother. Then he got his own band. What was the first band that you joined? Well, um, that's a good question, actually. I don't really know. Um, you know Lincoln what? On the Watt from Pedro show, there's no hard questions and there's no wrong answers. Okay. <laughs> but there are lack of memory. <laughs> that happens. Now, this is funny. I in when I moved down in seventh grade, my father, we moved down to Jersey, the seashore, which, you know, I hated at the time. I, I had friends in the Bronx and, you know, long hair. I was kind of a hippie by then, I guess. And I, I moved down to Jersey, so it was a, quite a different world. I mean, it was a whole different universe. Uh, but I did eventually find a bunch of people 
And, you know, we I played... By then, I was listening to the Allman Brothers, Jamie Hendrix, the band, everything everyone else listened to. But I was pretty deeply, you know, I'd listen very carefully and play along with the records. And somewhere in high school, I got, uh, you know, I found a bunch of guys who are a little older than me. And we had a band, you know, you're trying to get jobs at parties and bars and stuff. I, I was too young to play in bars, but we did play one gig, actually, I remember, in a bar, and we lied about my age. But soon thereafter, in about 10th grade in school, you know, I was usually playing by myself. Around then, I heard Bitches Brew and then Mahavishnu and Herbie and, you know, all that kind of... I was already listening to a lot of Donny Hathaway and Stevie Wonder. So I was moving into a direction of more R&B, you know, Parliament, Funkadelic, and that kind of thing. Rather, you know, my friends were listening to Emerson, Lincoln Palmer or some stuff like that. I, I have no idea. But I was, you know, getting into kind of a jazz and R&B thing. So I finally got a car in like 11th grade, I believe. And I started driving up to North Jersey and playing with adults, actually. And, uh, you know, guys who could actually play. And I was in a band with a bass player, actually, Mike Wiggins. And it was a... Ted Coleman, a vibes player, and we, you know, we were playing, we'd play at bars and stuff, and I was in 11th grade around then, maybe 12th, but the, uh, Mike had played in Junior Walker and the All-Stars. Shotgun. Yeah, exactly, so he, and he was on a couple of records, I actually checked decades later, but these guys could, you know, were jazz, and we did Herbie Hancock, Crusaders, you know, that kind of music. There was a radio station in Philly that I listened to constantly. It's still there. The WRTI. So you had this whole other kind of, you know, I was in Jersey, and it, it was kind of people with long hair looking to rock and stuff. But I, I got into this other thing, you know, kind of jazz and fusion and that kind of thing. Norman Connors was always on there, and uh, you know Linda Sharrock and it, Phyllis Hyman, all these people who you may not know. Yeah, yeah, so we're talking mid seventies, early seventies. Yes. But so is jazz. You know, jazz had an R and B gigantic movement of you know what I mean, like crossover. The Crusaders being Commodores. Famous. Commodores. Yeah, yeah. So in Philly. You had a really happening music recording scene with deep, deep players. And so I got it really into, into that scene. Like, I love those guys. That's what I wanted to be. So that was the beginning of my being in, a, like, bands. You know, other than that, it was sitting around in my bedroom <laughs> playing, playing along with the records. Well, look, you're close to uh, 1976. Yeah. Lower Manhattan, East Side. Yeah. So, so, so you got aware of the movement? No, 
And this is kind of, you'll love, well, this is kind of funny. This is where it gets funny. I missed out. I knew nothing. I knew the loft jazz scene, Sam Rivers, Anthony Braxton, who was from a different scene, but uh, Oliver Lake. And I don't know if you know these cats. You yeah, probably, Raymond, you Pe know. Raymond Pettibone took me to see Sam Rivers in Hollywood. At, uh, yeah, okay. So you know all this. But I, that's what I was reading about in Jersey, in a small, nowhere, you know, tiny town. So I wanted to get to New York to play that. But concurrently, punk rock was being invented, and Tom Verlaine and Patti Smith and all these people. And my friends knew about it. But you know how you're, when you're a kid, it's all like you're in a gang. So I was like, yeah, hey, you know, that rock, fuck that shit. I, I don't dig it. I, I like jazz you know so when i came to new york and this is where it gets i don't want to jump ahead but like 79 i came to new york and my brother and i left he lived in baton rouge for a little bit you know we, like a holiday in and playing cover tunes and then we stayed in baton rouge played in a funk band it was killing with a hammond b3 guy you know and uh but that, you know, we were into that kind of thing, but we had a job. But I got back to New York and meet this guy on the street. And by then, my friend had cut my hair and dyed it. You know, I looked like a kind of punk dude, but I really knew little about it. I heard the Voidoids and Elvis Costello and Talking Heads, but then. I was like, man, there's something happening here. What is this? This is kind of really interesting to me. But I never listened to I didn't know the Velvet Underground or the history of Lou Reed, David Bowie. I knew very little about John Cale. Yeah. So I knew nothing about this. So my guy on the street stopped me. I had a stick bag. Outside of Manny's music on 48th. 48th. He said, you look cool, you know, cool. Can you play? And I said, you know, I was kind of, yeah, fuck yeah. Play. And he says, listen, I'm playing with a guy, John Cale. He's looking for a drummer. Do you want to audition? <laughs> Believe it or not, on the street, I don't know the guy. And the guy turns out to be Chuck Hammer, a guitar player, who later played Lou Reed for years and it's on Ashes to Ashes, David Bowie's sure, song. Sure. Yeah. I gotta so, stop I gotta I, stop you right now, Dougie, because we're at the yeah. end of the first hour of the August eighth, twenty twenty edition of Watt Peter Show. Special guest Dougie Bound. Hold tight for hour two. August eighth, twenty twenty. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
što ti treba ti poneseš u rancu iz zamišljenog psa na zamišljenom lancu povedeš u šetnju kroz grad pustiš da ti zeleno na semaforu kaže kojim putem da stigneš do najbliže plaže i ako svesna si da ovo nije Kalifornija tego da sedneš tu je muzika već pronašla put i svuda je zemlja čuda i obećana pomala okeana ne živi se na vodi levu da bi se stiglo da mu stok na nebu zato su neopone druge žrtve Poneseš u sebi Sedneš na bicikl i ne razmišljaš Debi dok brzo krećeš Pedale Pustiš da ti zeleno Na semaforu oda Najkraći put preko Zvezdanog svoda I samo pratiš te signale Samo pratiš te signale Tego da sedneš Tu je muzika Već pronašla
Watt for Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with Bill Fursell and Dougie Bound. Again, doing Unreal Time number five. And then from uh, Japan, The Chef Cooks Me with Beautiful Person. Swenson Klain out of Canada, Plastic Horse. Then Unreal Time number six, Dougie Bound with Chris Speed. Nemi Pesnik from Slovenia after that with Okiani Razea, Chromit Bob and Dougie Bound with Unreal Time number seven, Not Garage by the Telepass out of England, and finally Unreal Time number eight, Jared Samuels, Dougie Bound. Now we're continuing. You meet a guy outside of Manny's. By the way, people, 48th Street, that, this is all gone now, but this was Manny's. This is where Jimmy fucking went and bought guitars and Pete Townsend yeah. and shit like this. And that shit's all gone now. Anyway, continue. You, 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 no, you, that was the music block. You're right. It was all music stores. And every any day you went there, you would see, you know, legends of music walking down the street and, and buying guitars. It was great. But this is kind of funny. The guy says... I'm playing with this guy John Cale, who I don't I don't recognize the name, but it sounds like okay, it's a gig. Let me go audition, and I go and play, and John Cale loves it, and I get hired, and he fires the guy who invited me, Chuck Hammer. Whoa! <laughs> like right there, you know, he, I don't know, he didn't like his thing <laughs> so i get into john cale's band and this is the funny part my friends were kind of by then knew all this who he was and he's a legend and they worship all the velvets and patty smith and all his connections but i have no idea who the guy is so i get home and you know like i said i liked jazz and I listen to a different kind of music mostly. So I get back and I'm with my friend Kevin. I said, I don't know, man. You know, it's kind of cool. We played this one quarter for like a half hour. It was a song Waiting for a Man or something. And my friends, of course, hated me. I, I knew nothing about the importance of Waiting for the Man. <laughs> I didn't know the song. <laughs> So, you know, it's kind of It funny. happens, Dougie. Yeah. So by accident, I get involved in this world. Now, I have to say, I had very strong opinions about rock music and its playing. I wasn't a guy who was, uh, you know, like, I'll play dumb here. It, like, I, I grew up on listening to Ringo, John Bonham, the Beatles, uh, you know, all uh, the Almond Brothers, like Joe Cocker, whatever, all... Bill K rock. Jim Keltner. And, and Kelt yeah, Keltner, I worship, I loved him. And uh, all the Stax guys, all of it, you know, if you get in there deeply, there are specific aspects to the language like dialect you know what I mean but it's all after a while it became all the same thing to me either you mean it or you don't you know what I'm saying so to me 
and it was soon after I got I played with John Cale for a while, made it a live record, and you know he was kind of a the relationship was a little strained with him and basically everyone else. <laughs> and I think it so was a I, rough. I think it was a rough period in his life. Yes, it was, and you know he's a intense guy. I, you know, I'm not saying anything horrible, but for me, I was a kid. And it was a little rough, so I quit actually. Which and I was in a band was the bass player who George Scott the Third from the Contortions. He's a legend. I mean, he passed away soon after, but a really important guy. Um, he started the Ray Beats, I believe, and uh, really he was my best buddy at the time and we both quit after sabotage was made and yeah I got to work in restaurants and whatnot but I could play so where they got out and as soon as I quit uh, Tom Verlaine called me so I started he had just broken up television so I started rehearsing with Tom Verlaine and Whoa. a guy named Chris Spedding no Billy Fika Look, look, I got to play some uh, more in real time. Number nine, okay?
drag my booty. All right, Mickey, where's our money? I don't know, man. Goofy, you stay out of this. Shorts. Unless you want a black eye. Oh, no, 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 no problem. No, no. Now back to you, Mickey. I don't know. I thought you put the plastic down the toilet. We either want the drugs or the money.
ego points. Ego points? Yes. You get a hold of a powerful magic weapon. It is so powerful, it doesn't want to do what you wanted to do. I pull out weapons, ego points. That was it. The magic weapon and ego points. It's sort of like dealing with the Star Wars universe right. and the droids. No, no, the droids. R2-D2 never did a suicide mission. R2-D2 was smart enough not to do a mission that would kill him. I pulled my sword. I am going to attack something more powerful than me. The sword's like sitting there going, What the fuck? I'm not getting involved in this. You can die on your own. I'm not doing this. My favorite one I ever did to a player, he had to pull out his sword, and the only time his sword would do what he wanted was if he shouted out, I have the power. power. <laughs>
Hot from Pedro Show. Yeah, on real time, number nine. Han Rowe, Dougie Bound. I must have been out of my mind. Peter Lochner from the old Cleveland scene. He tried out for a television. I think he pulled out a gun or something, and Tom Verlaine said no. That's what Tony Mamone told me. Uh, Unreal Time number 10, Percy Jones and uh, Dougie Bound. That guy can play bass. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. And he's from the uh, that Fuge days. Yeah, yeah. He's fretless guy. Great, great musician. Damon Smith, a stand-up bass man after that with Conduits of Bone. Uh, Raz uh, Messinel, Messinai, I'm sorry. Messinai, Dougie Bound with Unreal Time number 11. Uh, Devin, Gary, and Ross. That's Gary Panner and his trio he's got. Uh, mm. What did the hippie pen say to the hippie pencil? And finally, Unreal Time number 12, Elliot Sharp and Dougie Bound. E Sharp. I got to do uh, bootstrappers with him and George Hurley. Where I played a little bass with rubber band strings called the Ashman. Mm. So you, you start jamming with Tom Verlaine. What yeah, happened? and what spinning. Uh, so I had the, like the two greatest gigs in New York right at that moment. But uh, it's a story I tell all the time. A girlfriend of mine, and we may have been broken up, and but she buys a ticket. You have to see this guy, Iggy Pop. And so I went to see him at a place called the Palladium, and I stood on seat arms the whole time it f- completely blew my mind and once again i did not have any iggy records or really know his thing and uh so i go nuts for like a week and a half telling all of my friends who all by the way know him as music then they're kind of sick of it and uh he out of the blue, fires his drummer in the middle of a tour and calls me. He, he, and Fred Smith and how, dear how'd friends. How did he get your number? Huh? How did he get your number, Dougie? Well, Fred Smith from television. Baseman. And, and yeah, baseman. And uh, dear France, who was living with, there were a couple. Um, Dear France had sung in John Cale's band, so she told Fred about me. And, you know, they somehow, I guess, you know, because of television, he was in touch with Jim Iggy. So Iggy called me himself and said, I listen, I'm looking for a drummer in that lovely baritone voice. And uh, everyone says, you're the guy. And I thought it was a joke. I thought someone was making fun of me for because I was ranting about the guy all week. And, uh, and, you know, after like a minute of it, I'm like, come on, man, give me, who is it? I realized it was actually the guy I had seen. And I went to audition the next day and got the gig. I actually, the audition was funny. I tipped over, I was, went wild when he walked in the room and knocked over a cymbal which unplugged the guitarist's white cord, and he looked over, you're hired. <laughs> so I, and, you know, destroyed something at the audition, which helped. Because he likes <laughs> chaos. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I how long did you how long did you play with him, Dougie? How long you play with him? You know, and this is it's hard to answer. I don't know. I think it was like a year or so. But I stayed, made one record, and uh, you know, I once again I left. I, I was like, I need to be playing more different kinds of music, but. I maintain a friendship with Jim, and yeah. uh, he's come to countless gigs I've done since then. And, you know, we I don't talk to him that much, but, you know, we're friends. And he always, last time I saw him was with you, actually. <laughs> That's great and, to hear. Dougie, we're at the end of the second hour, August 8, 2020, Dish Watt Show. Special guest, Dougie Bound, hold tight for hour three. I can say 2020 is the third hour. A lot for Pedro.
Off for Pedro Show, we start off the third hour with David Coulter, Dougie Bound, doing Unreal Time number 13. Then we had Crane for tomorrow. Unreal 14 after that, Yuka Honda, Dougie Bound. Chicos Raros, Barcelona. La Playa, the beach. Well, Wild Boys, the beach. Nels Klein and Dougie Bound after that for Unreal Time number 15. Then the Born Shitsters, they were on the last episode. We get all, we get it already. You're vegan, straight edge. <laughs> I guess I, you know, movements always had that ironic vibe, <laughs> like a Maoist summer camp, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ted Reichman, Dougie Bound, Unreal Time number sixty. Let's tell the people about the Unreal Time. Okay. How'd you cook it up, Doug? Well, you know, on Facebook and Instagram, it can be a miserable, miserable place. <laughs> so, actually, after, a few years ago, I said, I'm going to just make little uh, music videos to spruce up the joint, if you would. And uh, I started making these things, murmurations. And it was like, a you know, I'd film trees or the sky or whatever, walking around outside and write some music because I have, I write music every day. That's my thing, what I do. Anyway, That's important, so, uh, Dougie, that's important because some people believe that drummers can't write songs. No, well, no, I'm, I, I actually write, I'm a, I write music for a long time. I've done film scores and I've written lots of songs with people. I don't write lyrics, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, drummers, I think, uh, some of my favorite singers are drummers, actually, like, uh, Paul is pretty great, Stevie, Todd Rundgren was Jim always Brown. But then, you know, if you understand harmony and melody and stuff, you're going to play better drums, you know. So if you look at it that way, that's why I work, I think. Because, you know, I played with a wider variety of people than most people I ever knew, you know. From kind of John Zorn type people to Cassandra Wilson and Marin Faithful or Jack Bruce, you know, I, Gate Mouth, I played with a really wide, wide variety of people, it's musical styles, I guess we call it. But, you know, it's all the same thing to me by now. It's music. <laughs> right, right, unreal time. Yeah. So these things, anyway... When co I, I was making little videos to, to just distract people, cheer them up, inspire them anyway. And when the lockdown started, I was like, I'm going to reach out to, you know, friends of mine and just collaborate. We're all in our houses anyway. And people are going to get a little nutty. So I'll make these little videos, you know, just to... Music helps people, you know, like, so that was the idea originally. Then during this, the assassination, the murder of George Floyd, 
you know, the marches began. So it became another thing altogether that we, you know, we're in this great awakening right now of the country. It's a, it's a huge moment, I think. So music, it either rises to the, uh, you know, it comments and helps people get through things or it doesn't. You know, it, it, there's the other kind of music, which is, you know, just noise in the background and money to be made. So, you know, there, and not to be overly exaggerated, these were just done to for me not to go nuts while I'm, we're all stuck in the house and to maybe cheer up some friends. But my friends, you know, I called Bill Frizzell. And he's, you know, we played together for a long time. And he was like, oh, I'll send you something tomorrow. Send me six things. And then Elliot Sharp and Percy Jones. And, you know, I have a lot of friends. So, yeah. And you. So, they're, you know, everyone said, yeah, let's do it. And it's painless. And hopefully people have said, look, I needed to see that today. You know, that's the best thing you can hear, right? Right. And I want to hear uh, the last three I got from...
Watford Pedro Show, last music for this edition. On real time, number 17, Kung Boo with Dougie Bound. Uh, Ned Colette and Wirewalker with Benitez Quack. Then Dougie Bound with myself for Unreal Time number 18, which I hear Nels Klein likes. <laughs> and then Knog uh, Zuba <laughs> Koba, that, that's uh, Black Tooth in Serbian. Uh, with, and he's playing guitar here. He's uh, uh, part two of uh, Funky Lastis, a trippy soundtrack. And finally, Elliot Sharp. Dougie Bound with Unreal Time number 19. So, uh, Dougie, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, well, my name, Dougie Bound, and Facebook, I'm on there. And but is, there, an is, there a Doug, is there a Dougie Bound website? No, I don't, actually. I, I'm kind of lazy about that. <laughs> but you should do that. But I'm, think, I'm not I, saying you I'm don't thinking. put your flyers on those other telephone poles, but you should have a home base where nobody yes, fil- I know, I nobody's know. in control, I, nobody filters. It's a fanzine ethic, Dougie. Yes, I, I, it's actually a great thing. And the flyers on telephone poles, I, I'm still... Missing that, but <laughs> no, I was using it as a metaphor, Dougie. No, oh, I know it's an, <laughs> uh, I know it is. <laughs> it's actually it was a simile because I said like. Ah, okay, okay. But the you know the um, I I have to do that. I I'm kind of bad at promoting you know self promotion kind kind of thing. That's but old. it, That's it okay. is great to have a place where people can find your thing. You sure, know? sure. I, I, look, being creative is more important. And and you've got plenty of that, so well, I, I have much, much respect for you. Dougie, if you met a young drummer man who wanted to get into this racket, what would you, what, do you have any advice from your long journey through music and your continuing? Um, well, I do talk to young drummers I have friends who are playing and starting out. You know, things are pretty rough for everyone right now. So I don't separate the music industry from everything else. Everyone is suffering right now. Music industry has had a lot of setbacks. and Well, not like, so much the industry. I mean, just get involved with expressing yourself through music. Yeah, that is, uh, well, the only reason I said that is because I admire your whole thing. You look at yourself like a dude who's working, where a lot of people, the first thing is that we we are workers. And if you look at music like that, you're doing a job that is helpful to people. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of necessary. I mean, you and I have talked about this before, but, you know, how how we look at in the world. We're doing a job that needs to be done, right? Otherwise, it's just... Uh, that can influence how you play. If you're not talking to people on some level, through your instrument, you ain't got no interest to me, personally, you know what I mean? And it's it's kind of a pointless thing, you know? 
So we, you know, I, I know a lot of people who are just starting out, actually drummers, and they're on a scene. Of course, right now, nobody's doing nothing, but we talk about things like that, like how to communicate in the most impact, most passionate way, right? So stickings and, you know, technical stuff, not really important. You see some guys and they change your way of thinking when you see them play music. And some guys, you see gals, everything in between, you see them and you can tell they're just playing notes, right? You know what I mean? Right. So that's the only thing we we ever talk about. You know, if you're talking about playing in 13-8 or, you know, that that's just, that's not important anymore. <laughs> yeah, right I now? totally agree. Dougie, it's been a huge honor to have you on the show. You might be doing a lot more on Real Times. So keep them I'm coming. Still toward, doing. Yeah, keep them coming because I, I love them. Yeah. Hell Sitch can provide, you know, a farmer would tell you if you want a good crop, use a lot of manure. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Right. Love you, love you, love you, love you, Dougie. <laughs> People, it's been the August 8, 2020 edition of the Waffle Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.